Delta Book Club, the musical where we do not sing and we don't read books. I'm your host, Michael. Uh, we have the regular people as co-hosts. I think that's the right position for them. And we're talking about Weezer, the Blue Album. This is, I mean, it's came out way before I was in high school, but this is pure high school music for me. Uh, please enjoy and please listen. Like this is everyone just acknowledges this is like a classic. 90s rock album so it's it's a little different than like anything else you've listened to because this is just like a bona fide classic like bjork was that for a lot of people but not like the general public yeah it's more for just mm-hmm. people who are like into 90s dance music i would say that this album 100 percent deserves the reputation that it has I'm not going to try to, like, tear it down at all over this. I think it deserves more. I think a lot of pop-punk bands don't reference it as much as they should. Like, everyone talks about Blink. I'm like, okay, but half of your lyrics are this album, too. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, so we can talk about how underrated it is. I would say, yeah. I would say it's rated. I think a lot of, <laughs> I think, I think yeah, a yeah. Lot of people say it's amazing, and it is amazing. Um, but let's see. So the first thing I want to bring up, because when I think of Blue Album specifically, not Weezer as a band, but the Blue Album, the first thing I think of is the guitar tone. There's, like, it's not the same exact guitar tone in every song, but there's a sound that they 100% nail and on the first song, and then, like, slight variations of that is on every single song here, and it's the best distorted guitar tone I've ever heard in my life. Guitar, like, power chords have never had a better sonic quality to them as on this album. Every single song. I agree. And then contrasting it with, like, the little acoustic guitar riffs, it, like, just makes it sound so much better. That, like, twangy sound that's, like, almost banjo-y. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be probably finger-picked, but a regular acoustic, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and that's My Name is Jonas and The World is Turning Left Me Here does the finger picking. But then um, a couple other songs mix in the acoustic guitar, but it's probably it's more strummed than that. The heavy, very thick guitar tone with the light uh, acoustic, like, m- like enveloped in it. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't sound like a separate instrument. It sounds like one thing, just like that's the thing that it. The, the sound is is those two instruments going perfectly together which is like pretty cool uh accomplishment for the guitar uh let's just keep talking about instruments i guess <laughs> uh the 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 drum parts and the bass parts on the whole album are very simple that's something that should be acknowledged kind of classic yeah. like punky noise yeah the, like that adds just like a rhythm and kind of a structure to it and it's really what they do with, like, the guitars and, like, the strumming and how he sings it. Mm-hmm. And tempos, oh, tempos kind of change, yeah, too. Yeah. But it's all, so. yeah, it, like, without hearing it, like, if, you, if there was, like, sheet music, it would all seem so stupid and simple, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, it's not like they're doing anything that complex, yeah. but it's the way they add it in. The only, yeah, the only thing where they're, like, 
on a technical level above their peers is harmonizing vocals. Like, a lot of bands just don't know how to. And there are punk bands. I, I, Alana's calling them punk, maybe. I wouldn't consider them Sorry, punk. Sorry, I mean, like, pop punk. Like, 90s little, like, yeah, I, I would, very garagey. I would just I would just call them rock and then just, like, put a period after that. But they are, yeah. they are kind of, because their guitar tones are so distorted, um, and they use the same kind of, like, some of the vocal melodies and song structures that pop punk is associated with. But I think they're a little before pop punk kind of popped off, too. Oh, definitely. I would say they are, like, the pioneers that we don't really think are pioneers because it all started kind of, like, early yeah. 2000s. But they had already put this stuff out. Because it's not directly the same, but it's, like, listening to this album again. It I'm has like, some elements. This is, like, six kids yeah. bands. Yeah. They Those types of bands, the melodic punk bands... Um, especially like Bad Religion and stuff would go crazy with harmonies. So Weezer's not the only ones, but it, it is like a very rare thing for uh, in in the 90s for a four-piece rock band to pull out the harmonies like that. Yeah. So, and, but, and then that's the only thing that would seem complicated to like a cover band trying to play a Weezer song. They'd be able to nail everything technically except for the harmonies and then their guitar tone would just be shit compared to <laughs> the record. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the first track is My Name is Jonas. It's got the mixture of acoustic and distorted guitars that we mentioned pops up. It's got probably the most radical example of that with, like, starting just acoustic and then the guitar's all coming in. And um, it's got probably some of the weirdest lyrics of all the songs, which maybe doesn't prepare you for how the lyrics for the rest of the album are going to be, because they're, um, they're not as, like, personal and honest as the rest of the album. But what do you guys think about it? Yeah, I don't know. I never looked into it, but I'm like, is it a biblical reference? Yeah, uh, Jonas and the Whale is a biblical story about how he gets... Yeah, he, That's what I thought. Jonas in the Bible gets swallowed by a whale, and then he lives. And I don't really know much about it, but I know that it is there. Yeah, so that's why I assume that one's like that, which is kind of just really funny, then, for Weezer to write a song that's inspired by it, but it's a really great song. And I do think the lyrics are very out there compared to the rest of them but I think the same thing in Buddy Holly where yeah. it's like which are their two most popular it's like not direct f I know it's like a weird storyline in there I think it was a good start to the album even though it did have like the weird kind of lyrics I think it's sh it was a strong start um I love at how like during the end like it's kind of slowly loses control like with like the harmonica starting and then it just goes right back to the beginning riff with the picking and my name is Jonas like I think that was a really kind of cool thing that yeah. they did yeah. and I think that comes up in a lot of their songs where it's like controlled loud kind of jumbly and then back yeah. and then they kind of like regroup yeah. and then they get back to it but it's like all like yeah. really like um meshes well though mm -hmm. yeah it's planned yeah like, it's like planned almost chaos. every song has moments of guitar amplifier feedback captured on it and you don't really have control over what that sounds like you either just got to do a ton of takes or you got to just be ready to deal with what you get and it shows um 
a level of confidence just in the the two guitar players level of confidence in their own ability to play guitar and just knowing like this is going to sound great to just let the amp go for a little bit before they start playing and just like knowing that they're going to come in with such intensity that it's okay to let the feedback build up to that because if you let the feedback go and then come in with like a dinky little riff it's going to sound like mad dumb but it never does that on here (laughs) i think it's a cool uh Starting just acoustic is a cool way to start such an electric guitar-based album because it gives the album a second to start up and grab your attention before it punches you with the guitars. And that gives the guitars a presence, whereas if from the moment you press play, those guitars start chugging along, um, you don't, they're not as... Uh, they're not as active of a player in the song if they're going the whole time. And a lot of these songs, they are going the whole time. But in My Name is Jonas, there's some space between pushing play and the guitars coming in, which uh, is how to make the listener notice the really cool thing that you figured out that's going to carry your whole album. And it's uh, it's got weird like time signature stuff. I think it's in 3-4 the whole time so it's it's not like your it's not your regular rock song which i consider Weezer just a regular rock band but it's it just it sets up so much and it kind of puts you in a weird place where now they're going to now they're going to hit you with like the normal stuff and it's going to be a little more emotionally potent because the first track was so complicated and um obscure not obscure, like, have you ever heard of this band, Weezer? But obscure, <laughs> like, what is what exactly is he talking about, and what exactly am I listening to? I, mean, I think that's why they're, like, the most popular generic band. It's because they do it so well, because when you break it down, it's not as, as generic structure. But it's, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, they the reason it sounds better than the rest is because it's not yeah. the rest. But it's a good intro to, like, have you never listened to rock for some reason? Here is Weezer. Yeah, actually, this is like when I was thinking about things to say about Weezer, I would say like if I met someone who had never heard of rock music before, I would <laughs> I would show them this album first, and I was like, wait, that doesn't that like doesn't make any sense to say, like you can't do that. But like it's true. But like if someone never heard it, it's like, like here what is, it is. Like this, this is, is all you kind of have to hear for a lot of the years. <laughs> um. And this song is a blast to play on Guitar Hero 3. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. With the, with the I crazy. think this is the guitar and rock band album because Buddy Holly, I'm pr- the sweater song, I think, was on one of them, too, for no Say reason. So. The only one's- Say it ain't so. <laughs> no one else. This song is disgustingly sexist. It's but so it's, bad. But it's like that on but purpose. But it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> It's on purpose. So. <laughs> it was painful. This is why I was like, this is like pop punk, because it's like some angry 17-year-old boy that a pretty girl said no. And like, mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking went off on her. <laughs> <laughs> and I, the the big difference with this is, well, there, there's a balance here. The big difference with this is Rivers, who people who don't know the members, Rivers is the main songwriter and singer and lead guitarist. He's He's basically the band. But um, not to discredit the other members' help writing the songs a lot. Uh, 
he knows that it's a shitty thing to say, but he wants to say it anyway, where there's people who will say something like this in a song and not realize that they're there, the yeah, asshole in the situation. But then yeah. there's also people who will do this in a satirical way where everything is tongue-in-cheek and everything is like, oh, this is shitty and I'm better than this. This is Rivers saying... I like he's identified something shitty about himself and he doesn't know how to change it. He just knows that it's not okay to to feel that way and he's like capturing that feeling in a song. He's not trying to turn the blame onto someone else. He's like he's like laser focusing on like a shitty part of his own personality and letting people know about it. Um so it's it's really he knows it's he his desire for a partner is sexist and he would like to change it but he first has to like accept that Address it's it. yeah he has yeah. to accept that it's bad before he can change it which a lot of people would just skip writing a song about that <laughs> like just <laughs> like, <laughs> like okay we'll, we'll like, move on from that part of my it. life and but that's yeah. like a lot of Weezer songs <laughs> <laughs> I like things that you should like just get over but like and yeah and one of the reasons the lyrics work so well is because the name of the song, No One Else, is like, that's such a generic love song title. Like, I don't want to be with anyone else or whatever. And then he uses that lyric in like a, the completely opposite way that the title would imply in a love song. Um, yeah. uh, Weezer is the only band that I still listen to that regularly does guitar solos. <laughs> and there's a guitar solo in this song. Like I I really do dislike guitar <laughs> solos like just as a song structure thing, but when Weezer does it it's cool. They make it not so corny. Yeah. Like I don't now that you say it, like I notice and I'm hearing every song from like the chorus and then it's just like thirty seconds of guitar, but it doesn't piss you off somehow. And there's it's no almost as if it's like another verse thrown in. There's no specific formula to it except maybe that they're never showing off they're never going into a guitar yeah. solo to say look how good a guitar i am they're going because it, it it will sound good if i do a guitar solo in this moment and stop if you're in a garage band and you you love weezer don't do guitar solos in your songs <laughs> just let weezer have that one thing oh god okay so then uh the soap opera theme song the world has turned the world has and left turned. me here. I really like this song, actually. Yeah, that I was that like was just a dig there. at the title, not not the song. Yeah, it's very, but I really liked it. It's one of my favorites lyrically, honestly. Like the lyrics in this are like yeah, so exactly. honest. I love them. He says things that would be considered creepy, probably not in song. Yeah. Like, uh, Talking to your uh, wallet. Yeah, I, I I talk to your photograph and you just listen. And I he said yeah. he said like I've made love to your memory or whatever. Like yeah. that's kind of gross. Yes. Like, ugh. but it, you you don't notice that. And I mean, you notice because that it's... when you dig apart the lyrics. But then you it's it's another example of him recognizing that he's got some gross tendencies and trying to air it out a little bit. So it's it's it's, just it's really for the honest, best. Like... Yeah sad boy yeah. lyrics. And I made fun of the title The World Has Turned and Left Me Here, but when you hear that line in the context, it's actually pretty cool meaning of the yeah. song. It's like a year later looking back at 
what's happened, or maybe it's not a, a year because that would be the like the world around the sun, not the world turning around. But I think I think that's what he means is like a year later, looking back at yeah. the situation he was in versus now, and like remembering all the stuff that he's messed up. And I think it's funny because uh, the last song on the album is like. Or in the garage, it's like, oh, look at him being really, like, this is just who he is, like, blah, blah, blah. But it's, like, kind of in a corny way, whereas these other ones are way more honest, but they're very lyrical, so it doesn't come off as that, and it comes off as more of a story where, in the garage, he's like, I'm with my comic books. Yeah. And people are like, oh, the real him. And it's like, no, <laughs> That's well, what he's actually probably, doing. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I really love just the way this song kicks off with the... It does the opposite of My Name is Jonas, where it separates the guitar and the acoustic stuff, and it just it just pushes those together in, like, the perfect way. And I don't... Like, that's something that you would think people would try to copy all the time. It's just, like, <laughs> having that finger-picked riff just, like, perfectly in sync with the power chords, and it works perfectly, and, like, no one is really tries to replicate that. It's such it's such a cool sound, and it's got like it's got like a rhythm to it that just the regular power chords don't have. I feel like bands try and do that, but then it you don't hear it. It's just like, it's it just, just not mixed like right. Same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like every time because I was like I don't know like the main is coming to mind, which is not a great band to reference for anything, but they try to do a lot of songs with like acoustic and like with the stuff, and like even on the albums, like I don't think it did anything. They didn't use it correctly. Like I guess you just need that that perfect finger-picking pattern. It's got, like, a little bit of, a, like, a funky feel to it. Like, it's not just, like... A lot of times when you finger-pick, it'll just be, like, eighth notes, like, continuous. Mm-hmm. But it's got a little bit of a bounce to it, I think, the Weezer's finger-picking yeah. pattern. Yeah, I, I really, every time I think about it, it's like a banjo-y, like, tw- like a twang mm-hmm. noise. So it's, it's got a little, little more to pay attention to than just this is the sound of an acoustic guitar, so it's not just electric all the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a lot of cool harmonies, which happens a lot on this album. Okay, uh, Buddy Holly, probably the I second Buddy, Buddy most Holly's popular my favorite one yeah. song on this album. Probably the great video I mean, too. Yeah, it's absolutely my favorite Weezer song. I like that. I think the lyrics are hysterical. Yeah. Like the use of "homie" casually by Rivers. Yeah, is a great bonus to any track. And then also, I like that it's. Almost the opposite of My Name is Jonas, where it starts off a lot louder and kind of faster. And then by the chorus, it's the soft, like, ooh-wee-oo. So it's like they keep flipping up, not like tempos really, but it sounds so much faster because of how loud it is and heavier. So I just think it's another example of that. Yeah, Yeah, that's actually what I was going to start with. I think all of the songs that we talked about here have a sense of humor to them with... Uh, Rivers kind of not treating himself the best way that he could, like kind of being mean to himself a lot of times. But this is where his humor is a lot more direct and like it's actually like written as a joke as the first two lines was with these homies dissing my girl, why do they got a front? Could be considered a little racist to do that as a joke, (laughs) but I think it's not it's it's not mean spirited at all, so it's it's probably okay. And it is funny. Yeah. So it's it's a lot darker sounding than the other ones, which I think is what you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. It's got a darker sound. Yeah. 
Which is funny because it's like the I like that he mixed it with like the lightest lyrics probably on the album. Yeah, and like what what you're talking about when it gets to the chorus, it kind of lightens up a little bit, and I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. And I think they do this later with Surf Wax America, kind of paying tribute to the Beach Boys, and then this song paying tribute. To- I was gonna say that, yeah. but I didn't know a Beach Boys song, so I was like, yeah. I just feel like it's what that sound would. Oh be. well, it's not it's not like a specific Beach Boys song, but it's like. Surf Wax America. No, like, I don't know. I couldn't tell you a Beach Boys song, oh, okay. <laughs> but I can tell you, like, the vibe yeah. of the Beach Boys. So, like... So, I was gonna say that, for, especially for Surf Wax America, like, that 50s, like, fun in the sun, we're hanging out, like... Mm-hmm. Be- yeah. So, being very direct and, like, kind of presenting your influences with their own individual song, like, you got a song for Buddy Holly where the verses is very Weezer, but then the chorus is, like, very Buddy Holly... Not just that his name is in there, but like the vocal harmonies and the ooeus and stuff, and um, yeah. and then Surf Wax America is kind of like that for the Beach Boys, and it's it's cool to put that onto just turn those things into a song and like pay tribute to the people who can who indirectly contributed to the album in such a, a strong way. It's like the evolution of rock. Yeah, yeah. and um, the guitar solo on this one has the part where all the instruments cut out and then it's the two guitars harmonized with each other. Um, and it's, that part is uh, really, really cool to me. Yeah. I that like part's that part. maybe, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, it's like how like a, the DJ cuts the beat, like, a, and then there's like a couple <laughs> clicks before the drop. Like, that's what that is yeah. in rock wit form. <laughs> Just a little harmonized guitar duet and then drop it back <laughs> into the chorus. So, That's like a good example of like their guitar solos feel don't feel like just guitar. Like you feel like you hear kinda not words, but like you hear that like the melody. And like Oh yeah. yeah. Wait, we need yeah, we need Throughout to talk we actually thing. need to talk about the whole bridge cuz th- this song like goes wild in the bridge. And it's not it's like not Buddy Holly at all, I guess. It's and it's it's like not that much Weezer either. It's, they're just like they have all this maybe like pent up energy from having like a like a happy go lucky song, and then it kind of like they like let a little bit of something else like break into it in the middle. I feel bad this out al- like when I like an album or when it's like an older one, like it feels weird criticizing because I don't really like. I don't have con. I have mild context of the times. Yeah. And oh. like well, what I would have. I mean, been I'm not. To I'm not criticizing at all. I'm just saying like how much I love every single song. No, no, but like analyzing it, I'm like I just really like Buddy Holly. Like I just like that yeah. song. Yeah. Like, when I listen to something like this, it's more nostalgic than like anything. So it's hard to like break it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this uh, this discussion exists in 2017, so that's the proper time frame to be thinking about it in uh but talking about not being in 2017 when i first heard undone the sweater song years ago it blew my mind no songs like this existed before it and probably none have existed past it completely insane just the idea behind this song is what if we play the ugliest sounding riff we can think of and then just like have a conversation over it and it's and like now that I say that, like there are like moments on other people's albums where there's just like there's talking, but it's like it'll be like an interlude or something, or it'll be yeah. it'll be like the dumbest part of the song where they like stop singing and start talking, but in in this for some reason there's like so much musicality 
to just like talking to someone about going to a concert. <laughs> and the the genius the genius behind the hideously dissonant riff is that it's a one four five chord progression and they like they like pull the most dissonant sounding possible notes out of the most standard uh major tonality chord like chord progression that you can possibly have like if you just hear the bass line the bass line is like super happy super classic and then it's just like what they like how can we make this unsettling and it and it and it it goes hard yeah i don't remember this song from growing up but i felt like i feel like i skip used to skip it like i used to steal my brother's cds so he had like weezer and stuff and i feel like i skipped this song when i was younger because i vaguely remember it but now it's like one of my favorites it was too weird when you were young yeah, I guess so. I guess I was, like, not my thing. So, <laughs> but now I really fuck with it. I just really, really like the lyrics broken up by, like, the people's conversation and stuff. And it just sounds so, just, like, he sounds so distant. And I really enjoy, like, the whole, like, main line where he says, like, if you want to destroy my sweater, pull the string and I'll walk away kind of thing. <laughs> And then soon yeah. he'll be naked, kind of, like, it's like his humor coming back again. Yeah. And they don't bother rhyming at yeah. all, which always draws, it always draws more attention to the song choice when they don't bother rhyme, or th- not the song choice, the word choice, when they don't bother rhyming. It's like, this is very deliberate what they're trying to say, and they just, they just want yeah. this really cool image in your head of someone just saying, like, if if you want to tear me apart, I'm just gonna let that happen. Yeah, like and it's I'm just, just gonna, gonna say one thing it's just and gonna I'll happen. fucking do the rest, probably. Yeah, which I like that a lot now. Like I think that's what I stuck onto the most, where it's like very self destructive, yeah. but it's like you'll be the catalyst, my guy. Like let me know because I'm ready. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we'll get this done we'll tonight. Get this going. <laughs> yeah, like I'm getting waiting for any excuse. Like, give me one. <laughs> yeah, and like that's what the verses are. Is just like him, like just not being there when he's like supposed to be hanging out with his friends and having a good time, and he's just not present for it. I was gonna mention this during the checkout section, but I'll mention this now. There's a a very long deluxe edition for this album that has like demos and early versions of the songs and then some songs that were cut for the album and I would suggest everyone checking it out because there's some of the songs that were cut are on par with the songs on here there's some really good songs on there but the original or not maybe not the original but the earlier recording of Undone the Sweater song had all of the members of Weezer reciting different rap lyrics at the same time instead of having people talking (laughs) so they're all just rapping different songs so i think this is this this is a little more uh emotionally poignant but that version is also like really funny yeah that's hysterical and uh for this has the best moment for backup vocals on the whole album where usually they're harmonizing uh, to add like a little bit of sonic depth, maybe to match the thickness of the two guitars with heavy distortion. But on this one, uh, the the backup vocalist like just like like abandons ship and just adds his own lyrics. Where uh, the main lyric is like, "See me lying on the floor, have come undone," and then the backup vocalist is like, "See me lying here in my Superman skivvies." <laughs> that's a that's a classic 
moment for backup vocalists everywhere. I think this is, like, the most fun yeah, definitely, and you can tell. And that's why it's, like, such a success. And this is the, this, the most obvious example of what Alex was talking about earlier with letting the song kind of get out of control and yeah. just do whatever it feels like to close it out. Yeah. Some piano. There's not a lot of piano on this album, but there's someone just, like, banging their hand against the piano. Smashing it. <laughs> As a classic, uh, yeah, I would say this one's underrated. Yeah, sweater songs definitely. If we're talking about For underrated sure. songs, I think basically everyone knows what this song is, but not a lot of people appreciate like how crazy they went writing this song because it, it's a mixture of like the simplest possible song structure and chord progression, and then just distorting that to the craziest place that they could figure out how to take it. And that's, like, a cool accomplishment that I think should be recognized. Yeah. I also think thematically it would be super popular if it came out, like, now. Because I feel like everyone will... Re- I don't know, like, the everyone's sad yeah. now. A lot like, of the Everyone's more open about, we like, about being sad and, like, kind of introverted and, like... What happened? A lot of the themes that we talked about with Lord's album are also on this song, I think. Yeah. yeah. They have the same The kind whole, of like, kind of, like that's just your normal and that's but like the whole like I'm with my friends and we're supposed to have fun yeah. but like I'm distracted and kind of out of touch and it's like literally like Same. give me the reason yeah. to just flip out and it's like I really relate to that shit and I think a lot of people now are more open about relating yeah. to it so I think if you re-released this song this would have been like I yeah. hit now whereas back then everyone kind of faked yeah, it everyone, everyone it was, was like, kind of everyone shit. was kind of hidden so yeah, if you're not, like, Nirvana sad, you just, like, weren't sad. <laughs> you're only Nirvana sad, or you're perfectly fine. Or you're Will Smith you're happy. Will like, Smith. <laughs> you're That's really good. Uh, Surf Wax America we touched on a little bit. I think it's it's good to come back to something a little more traditional after the sweater song. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about how they've done things that kind of would seem corny, but not corny when they do it this song's a little corny yeah it is but i think they fully embrace it and i think when like that's what they deliver it they don't half-ass it it sounds like a good album back then like yeah like i think they know it's corny so like they know it's corny and they're like running that's just who they are yeah yeah this this is the song i think where i think they're not fully behind the lyrics though Mm-hmm. Like really, yeah. Like everything else has been like, or like maybe going into the future a little bit. Like within the garage, like um, he's talking about the stuff that uh, that he he knows is a little corny, but it's also the stuff that he loves. Whereas with Surf Wax America, he's talking about like being a cool surf bro, which is a little corny, but that's also not honest to who he actually is. So it doesn't have the yeah. same self-awareness and charm to it. Yeah. It's just, it's being, I mean, maybe he serves, I don't know, but it doesn't. It, no, I think it's like a superficial yeah. look at like what surf, what the Beach Boys music yeah, was and what that like the like culture, culture is. I think he's, yeah, purposely taking that song concept or that song topic in order for it to be more directly uh, Beach Boys style. Cause they, they yeah, because I think they're, like, we referenced it enough the past, like, half of this album, like, this is what it was, like, this mm-hmm. is what we're talking yeah. about. Um, and then it's got the do wa do breakdown, which is super, super Beach Boys. It's a it's yeah. mixed, a, I, 
I hate it and I love it. It's mixed so quietly that if you're listening to the song on normal volume, it sounds like the song's over. And like the the music keeps going and you you can't hear it at all. And it, it gets yeah. a little louder before it comes back in, but you're like, oh wait, the song was still playing. And I I know the songs. <laughs> at this point, I know the songs so good. But if I'm like if I'm like putting it on in the background and not paying attention to it, it's so quiet that I I completely tune it out, which. Um, I like it like that. I think that because it's like that, when you actually pay attention to the song, the drastic dynamic difference gives it a little more impact than we're going to break down and do a Beach Boys acapella bridge and it's going to be just as loud as all the guitars and it's that that is that's going to sound shitty compared to we're going to break it down and you're going to come like you're going to come down with us and we're going to do this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also realize now, like, their songs were a lot longer than, like, what I thought they were. Like, certain songs, like, I think it's, like, when the, with the World Turns one, is like, maybe, like, close to five minutes long. I got it, I got it all up here. It's, uh, 418. Yeah. Yeah, it just feels, like, it's a lot longer in how they split it up, too, than, like, I don't know, than I remember, or is, like, very common. Only one under three is Buddy Holly, which is, like, thematically fits... Because yeah. that period of rock music was like two and a half minutes per song. Yeah. And they give that kind of old school vibe. That's why I think it's like, go, listening back, I'm like, okay, this is a lot more song yeah. than I remember. And they perfected the ten song album formula, which you have to have a little bit more meat on those songs to just have ten tracks. Um, yeah. Be- because that's like the minimum amount of tracks you can have and it not be like an extended EP. Unless you're, like, a, a prog rock and do, like, half-hour songs. But they did the perfect yeah. pop song structure with enough content in each song where ten tracks is the perfect amount, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that's funny, because every album I kind of expect to be 16 songs, like, subconsciously. Yeah. I think Weezer like, refuses to go normal. over ten. It's fair. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you really don't need it. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> like, you sometimes, really don't. like, when is it too much, honestly? Yeah. Yeah, 16's a lot, I think. 16 is a yeah. lot. 16's a lot. <laughs> People of songs. just drop everything now. Yeah, they do. There's no limits. Like we should go back to CDs only holding like a certain amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> people cut, are wild cut with some the people free short. range nowadays. Da da. <laughs> okay, so I love Say It Ain't So. It's got that drastic dynamic change like the Pixies do uh kind of came up with the the super quiet verse and the just instantly yeah, yeah super loud. this is oh my god this is somebody's hiney <laughs> yeah my favorite lyrical <laughs> is drowning my icebox this is also where melty cannon got his inspiration from if everyone forgot about that i forgot what song it was in reference to but i remember you saying that but it's, you just it's literally yeah. the boom the say it ain't so whatever okay <laughs> i think this is the most recognizable weezer song ever and I think in this song, when they do the guitar solo, it's more of a statement piece about the guitar solo. Where in the other songs, it's just like a melody and part of the song. This is like, listen to this. And it's very just like, distinct. Yeah. I think compared to any time that they do it. This is also the most, like, emotionally immediate song. Uh, That's kind of a weird, like, general thing to say. But the song's about alcoholism, so this is like... If if any of the character flaws that Rivers 
talks about himself on this need to be addressed uh, addressed immediately like this is the song that that reveals something like that and uh guitar solos uh pack a little bit of a punch when there's like it, when they're at like the emotional climax mm-hmm. of a song um yeah so it it could it could symbolize uh kind of like a spiraling out of control sort I mean, of you, thing. Yeah, you it. definitely yeah. like can sense it. It's very like I don't think guitar solos are emotional, but that is one that is. Like you kind of feel like the pain and like the drive behind it. Mm-hmm. And it bangs. So And so many so many songs in the history of music, the chorus each chorus is the same. The chorus is the part that's ref- it's the refrain. It's repeated throughout the song. But in this song they hold back when they go to the first chorus. They get the two power chords, the dan, and then nothing, and then the, the next chord, uh, and then when the chorus comes back the second time, it's got that neo in the middle, and it kills. It's so good. <laughs> so there's some progression and some elevation throughout the song, but it's also like in a badass electric guitar way. Yeah, yeah. And the lyrics are super uh, well constructed. It gets uncomfortable when he starts talking to his dad directly. Which it's like a good uncomfortable that it's like so honest and direct and like like all like any like layer of separation from the song like from the song is yeah. peeled back and he's like it's like this is a little too much information to be telling everybody. Yeah, when he's like father stepfather, it's yeah. like oh my god, yeah. like you did not need to have a fight in front of me, <laughs> but like, yeah, in my living room. <laughs> Yeah, like, you're in, like, it seems like you're a guest at his home, yeah. and he's fighting with his stepdad, yeah. and it's, like, very... <laughs> That's the kind of uncomfortable detail you need to, like, nail home a song that yeah. is, like, it's about drinking, so it could go, it could go wrong, like, with, like, Kendrick doing swimming pools, where it's, like, the same lyrical content, but then everyone just bumps it at parties. Yeah. Yeah. The song didn't go wrong, but, like, people's understanding of the song. They, like, they missed the point. Yeah. Or they just didn't Although care. there was a bar that, like, plays dating, so, like, every <laughs> night I was, like, a, everybody sing along. Damn. It's oh on West Bar. It's one of the, like, really... It's, like, the chain ones, like, off the wagon. All but can you imagine... The drink being deal. in a bar and then everyone's singing along and then it gets to the bridge? Like, does everyone <laughs> stop singing there. at that point? Do no, people, do everyone people keep got, singing like, really along? angry. <laughs> Like, including Anya, and <laughs> they're like, Father! That's so bad. Okay. In the garage. Alana had stuff to say. Oh, wait. Yeah, you have to say how he says it. Garage. I say garage. But garage. it's Where one, it's one garage? syllable in this song. Garage. Garage? <laughs> I, um, I don't like this song. Okay. That's, well, that's... We should dig into that a little bit because that's the first time someone said anything negative about anything. So, um, I just don't care about it. I'm like, that's really great for you guys. <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> Good for you. That's how I feel. I'm like, mm hmm. And. And where the rest of the song, it's like, yeah, he can be like weird in himself. And it's like, okay, cool. But this one, it's like, you're just telling me facts that are, I'm sure, very interesting to you and your friends. But I have no, like, involvement in this. I just, I don't know. I think it's like a step down from the rest of the album that I hold, like, so highly. 
don't know. I think it's it's one of the weaker songs on it. It's very straightforward in the sense that it's literally about him in a garage. And I find the lyrics not as engaging as some of the other songs, like Buddy Holly, where it's like, and My Name is Jonas, where it's kind of weird. And then the ones where it's more picking at his insecurities, it's a little more emotional, but like in the garage, and I feel the same way about Surf Wax America, honestly. Like, both of those songs I feel were the weaker ones, just because they were just, I feel like, filler. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they're filler. Okay. I'll, I'll defend this song. I, I appreciate it sonically, because uh, it's the catchiest song, and I, li- I like catchy music. Um, also, in the second verse, towards towards the end of or towards the end of the second part of the song, uh, there's when he when he does the line "I love everyone." It like he breaks from the vocal pattern that he's established and like pauses for a second and then says that line. So you're like you like miss something and then it goes into that and the guitars come in at the same time. It's a really well arranged moment where he he really makes everything work together. And um, I think you guys are missing a layer with the lyrics. Because obviously the whole song, he's talking about himself alone in his garage, but he's also saying the last part of the chorus, he's he's in the garage, no one hears me sing this song. And the mm-hmm. fact that you're hearing him sing that line has gives a little more depth to everything else he's saying, where he's talking about how he has all these insecurities and all these things that he uses to deal with his insecurities. He uses comic books and Kiss and Dungeons and & Dragons and to to kind of, like, fill up uh, what should be his social life, although Dungeons & Dragons, you have to have friends to play that. Um, but he uses all these things to fill up his social life, uh... And he never sees anyone ever, and then that's the end of the story, according to the song. But we know no. that there's a part two to that where he like where he breaks out of that and becomes a rock star. So no, I get yeah. that. I just don't think that's anything special. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't want to be rude about it, but I just think like, yeah, it's man. it's showing it's showing that rock stars aren't all cool boys, which we got from Homie. And Buddy Holly. Like, I think that it's just, like, an overstatement of what we've learned when you really listen to the rest of the songs. Like, if you look at them and stuff, the things we've gone over, I think this is, like, repetitive and a little more blatant about it, which I don't appreciate because we know he can be so clever about things that that I think that's what bothers me, that it's like, yeah, guy, we caught on, like... Okay. Or at least make it a little more like. Yeah, that's I don't know, I that's just... fair. I think this song is treated like a flashback, towards the end of a movie where you don't have any questions about what's going on in the movie, but mm. the flashback just adds another window to view the like, character. Reinforces from. it. Like, yeah, you you see this character doing all these things as an adult. And you have a pretty good idea of what their childhood might have been like, but when you're actually shown their childhood, after you get all the context of what happens as an adult, even if that's what you assumed it would have been like, it's it it gives you, like, actually hearing it 
is is like a confirmation of that and it it's it's not up to the I'm using the movie analogy it's not up to the viewers uh conjecture anymore it's like this is part of the story of the blue album now you're right that's a better way of looking yeah. at it but you don't have to like it if you don't want to so no I still don't like yeah. it but I know like I just I think I'm too critical of it for what it is like it doesn't have to be yeah but I, I don't know, like, I've never read comic books or played Dungeons & Dragons or listened to Kiss when I was a little kid, but you you fill in the blanks with your own crutches, yeah. and that's you how you yeah. relate to the song. Yeah. Uh, Holiday. Let's go away for a while. I'm, like, having trouble remembering Holiday and Only in Dreams. Okay, I'll give you... A, Actually, no, I remember Only in Dreams. I'll give you a clue, and this is my main complaint about anything on this album is it does the Surf Wax America thing again, where it gets mad quiet during the bridge and then builds back up? Do you remember that? It's the other song that does that? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Why can I not remember this song? Uh, this song has a super... I'm going to look up lyrics. Okay. It has a super cool line where he says, um, we'll go away to a strange and distant land where they speak the word of truth, but we don't understand. That's such a cool mm-hmm. line. Yeah. And he, he yeah. goes on to make it not rhyme, but I'm going to stop to emphasize the fact that there actually is an internal rhyme in that line. I really liked this song. Um, I love the time signature of it. Uh, I think it's 6 eighth. Um, but I love yeah, I think so. that time signature in any song. Um, I love that they do the doo-wop kind of break in the middle. Um, honestly, I think this is one of their most dynamic sounding songs because they kind of have those really, like, loud harmonies and stuff and this was one of my favorites yeah they use the harmonies in a way that they haven't yet yeah. on the album and that's and that's to be harsh yeah and every all the time in the tradition of beach boys and stuff they've been very smooth uh i forget the word for it when it's not dissonant tonic tonical tone tone tonic consonant consonant yeah fuck what I was trying to say. Uh, they, they've been really consonant. Um, on this song, they're using the harmonies to add a layer of harshness when they're doing the heartbeat part. It kind of reminds me of Queen when he does that harmony at... I forget what the word that he says, but it kind of gave me like a Queen vibe of when they do their kind of harmonies. Um... Yeah, it is a little more theatrical than any of their songs. There's there's more oomph put into yeah. like the vocal delivery. He, he kind of goes crazy on the last chorus. Like he he has the melody go up instead of down where mm-hmm. it did before, and he like he like has some runs and stuff, which is not expected on a Weezer song. And that that comes after the really quiet part that builds back up. I think they put a little more effort into having this song build from where it breaks down versus Surfax America that kind of just like jumps back in. Yeah. It's just weird that they do such a similar thing on two mm-hmm. songs and they're both on the later half of the album so they kind of um they're pretty close together. Yeah. For the oh. kind of similar things that they're doing. But it's 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 good placement because this is the like the sonically 
the mix on this is like the thickest, fullest sound of any of the songs. Mm-hmm. So second to last is the perfect spot yeah. for for that to happen, where you're getting the full range of uh, what they can do sonically from a very quiet moment to a very uh, loud and harsh moment, and then very full uh, mix with all of that coming together. Mm-hmm. Only in Dreams for like years was my favorite song of all time. Really? Yeah. Love it. I really cannot remember these last two songs. I feel like I'm having a stroke. <laughs> okay, well... I'm reading the lyrics, and I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it starts with a very simple but catchy bass line. Doesn't it... It ends kind of like, um... It goes on with the guitar. And it's very got, dreamy, yeah. right? Yeah, well, it's... It's a very dreamy end. That's all I can remember. It's got a long instrumental outro. Or does the chorus come yeah. back in after the guitar solos and it all that? It kind of reminds me of, I like, a lullaby. I think, I, think, I think the chorus comes in in the sense that they play the chorus again, but they're not singing over it anymore. Yeah. But, yeah. um, uh, yeah, let me just break this song down. It's so good. The ba- It starts with just the bass line, which is, like, um, Death Cab for Cutie has the song that does that. This is, like, the prototype for that. And that bass line just, like, goes for the whole song, which is which is crazy. And then um, it's, like, really quiet, tenderly creepy vocals. Yes, that's why. I remember this as more like a lullaby-seeming Yeah, he vibe. says, like, he's he's talking about how, uh, figuratively speaking, the woman that he uh, wants to get involved with, like, floats around. Like, like he's... Like, he's seeing her as something more than, like, a human being. Like, she floats all over the place. Uh, mm-hmm. And then she, like, spreads in between molecules of oxygen and carbon dioxide, which is, it's, like, crazy to, to just have that line pop up and not rhyme with anything. Just, like, get mad specific for no reason. But then <laughs> he brings that back when he's when he actually gets to talk to her he says it's a good thing that you can float in the air because then I won't uh, crush your pretty little toenails into a thousand pieces. <laughs> so it's like that's the weirdest possible thing you can say to someone. And he's like he's like so enraptured by her that he's like delusional. Like you thought before that, that he was that goes back to um like no one yeah. Else yeah. type of vibe. But it's it's in it's in more of a hopeful way. Like he's meeting someone who can pull him out of that. Like, I, I, or, I feel yeah. like with the way he's talking about the woman in this song, he would forget about, like, the I want a girl who will laugh for no one else. Like, he won't care with this woman. Like, he he really, he would let her do anything because he's, like, he's, like, so in love that he's not in control of it anymore. Uh, but he's, like, del- you thought he was doing a metaphor with her molecules stretching out, but he's, like, he, like, actually thinks that's happening. <laughs> he's, like, how, he's, like, going crazy. <laughs> And the backup vocals for the Crush Your Toenails, uh, they, like, get out of sync with each other and make it sound even more crazy. It does a little bit of the Say It Ain't So, where they uh, come back louder for the verse. And um, something that happens on Pinkerton a lot that is really only this song is they kind of, they kind of break expectation with your standard rock chord progression and vocal melody what they do uh when like they when they say only in dreams you see what it means uh reach out our hand hold on to hers when they hit hers the note is like a little higher than you think it should be and the chord progression like doesn't it doesn't resolve 
how you would expect it to, and then it keeps going. So, like, they try to lead you to resolution, and then they keep building from there, which is, like, that's more of a... That's not really a rock and roll thing to do. So it, it's, it gives a little bit of a emotional, uns, unsettling... Not in, like, a bad way, but just, like, a you have to kind of, like, let the song take you where the song wants to go because you can't, you're, you, like, the, the stuff that you've been prepared to hear isn't going to happen. It's not going to go back to one halfway through the chord progression. It's going to go to a different place. And then they take that and they turn it into, like, my favorite guitar solo of all time, which is, it goes on forever. And it's, it's like, uh... <laughs> You get I don't I don't know who is who uh, between Brian and Rivers, but there's one guitar on the left, one guitar on the right, and they're like playing chicken with each other to see who can get like to the top of the guitar neck, but they don't want to get there first. And then there's like so much tension in that idea of like two guitars like going ahead of the other one and then falling back and the other one going ahead and falling back and then behind that the drums are getting faster and building up and then it explodes and the guitar that I think had the counter melody during that part takes over and does the solo while the the guitar that was doing leads for that part starts playing the chords so it like it's like the one that was behind kind of like erupts forward at the last moment and then they completely nail the solo. They're, they go crazy. Um, and then it, they kind of just, like, let it fade. And then it, and then just the bass is left at the end, which is exactly how it started. And, like, that, the, that structure, the dynamic builds and falls, the lyrics in the beginning, and then just kind of letting the lyrics stand and having the rest of the song just be instrumental, the amount of... Uh, the amount of emotion put into the way they're playing guitar and the interplay between the two guitars. This is one of my all-time favorite songs. There's like for like a long-form rock song, this is untouchable. Damn. Yeah. So that's just. I mean, this is this is when I was in high school. This was number one song just ever. Yeah. So I, I have a lot to say about how good it is. <laughs> I'm glad it gives me a new perspective. Yeah. On it. Like I'm still like remembering it, but like now I care more, and I'm gonna look at it more intricately yeah the, the guitar solo is just insane i could listen to that over and over again but also like the lyrics and all that uh so someone else just says anything about it so it's not just me um i like lyrically that it keeps to his theme of being like overly honest in a certain way and like unlike um in the garage it kind of goes back to like i don't know this is weird to say like in no one else and when the world turns and stuff it was like very forward with how honest he was, but I think it was more of a... Self-deprecating? that people don't say out loud very often. And so for him to, like, be honest about how much he obsesses over this and creates, like, the girl's the girl, but he creates, like, this fake version of her that's, like, just all positives, like, overly, like, pot, like his dream girl, really. Like, he sees a girl, and she's probably cool or whatever, but he blows it up into, like, his fantasy kind of thing. So I like that. And that goes back to more of, like, their original honesty, which is talking about things that people pretend they don't really think and just saying straightforward. Like, I like that whole, like, she's the molecules breaking up and stuff. He's, like, straight up, like, I'm crazy right <laughs> now. Like, mm-hmm. I see her as, like, not what she is. I see her as, like, this grand idea. 
Yeah, I like I like the idea that the the female character in this song, like, really is the perfect person for him though, and like he's mm. leaving so many hints that there's a lot of potential for him to fuck it up, but they they don't go there yet. Like the the with the song ends, like you know that he's fucking bonkers, but maybe just maybe it'll work out. Yeah, no, I don't mean to say, like, she's not that great. Like, she's probably is, like, the exact perfect girl for him. So, like, in his he's, mind, like, it's yeah, like, so he's, much more he's making, than what He's making is. this, like, some sort of, like, alternate reality of yeah. her. Be- he yeah, because so he's obsessed so in with, love. Like, I finally found this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So in love. What song is that? Wait. Wait, isn't that Beyonce? Is that? Yeah, Crazy it's Party by Beyonce. Party. That's it. Oh. I mean, I wasn't in tune or anything. But. <laughs> okay, cool. This is an amazing album. I think every single song is a banger. No filler. Some of you are insinuating that there's filler on here. There is not filler. It's ten tracks. How can there be filler? <laughs> um, from, from each song, there's a consistency with very specifically the guitar tone but also with, um, like, the role the instruments play, with the bass and the drums being a little more simple to back up some of the weirder stuff they're doing with guitars. There's a consistency with the lyrical themes and, um, and how they use backing vocals in interesting ways, but each song also brings something new to the table, with, I would say, the only exception to that is Surf Wax America is... You could have Holiday, which is, like, a little better than Surfax America, and then not have Surfax America. But the thing that Surfax America does bring is that very, very direct Beach Boys homage. So it still has, it still brings, even though it brings the least out of any song on here, it still brings something new to the table. There is, so there's not any, like, completely wasted tracks. The... Yeah, like, the worst song on here, I would say, is Surf Wax America, and it still, like, fits its role perfectly as, like, a fake Beach Boys cover song. And I'm gonna do it. Nobody... I'm gonna say it. Oh, no. It's a 10 out of 10. I think that's fair for the song. Fair. Very fair. I don't think... Yeah, I don't think that's, like, hyperbole, especially for that last song for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go, like, revisiting it, I wasn't like, I have to pick out all the reasons this is a 10 out of 10. I was like, I'm going to listen to this and I'm going to decide if it's a 9 or a 10. And I and I decided that there is no way I could give it a 9. There's nothing, there's no, there's nothing bad about it. And there's there's not even anything that's like, okay about it. Like, everything they try to do, they succeeded. And when, like, in most of their successes, they push a little bit past success and do something, like, interesting and original with it, too. I agree. I think, I mean, the number of hits off this album, like, looking at it, everyone is like, this is just their greatest hits album, even, and it's their first album ever. I think it's amazing. I think all the songs are really great, even ones I don't really like that much. I can't say that they are bad songs. I just would skip them every time listening to the lyrics again now older I like appreciate them more and I like the honesty of like this is really what you think about like just straightforward like reality yeah I think I'm gonna give it a 9 out of 10 okay and Alex I'm also going to give it a 9 out of 10 
Um, I agree with what Alana was saying, and after, like, listening to what you had say beats about how, like, each song is filling a role, um, it made me realize that, like, it might not be so much filler, but it just might be something that, like Alana had said, I would just skip over, because they're not bad songs, it's just something that I don't like as much as the other songs because these are like all of their greatest hits like all ev- almost every single song is something that is on like either guitar hero or like always constantly playing even now like after how many years have gone by and they're still relevant and so yeah 9 out of 10 okay awesome so this the Blue Album by Weezer just edges out Earl Sweatshirt for best album of all time so far. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Doris will go down as a classic, and yeah, it's 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 the same. They're, they're both in the same league, but yeah. Weezer, Weezer went off on this one. Okay. Especially for first albums, yeah, both of them. Okay, so uh, I'm going to go a little off the rail for Check It Outs for next week. Like I mentioned before, uh, check out the deluxe edition of the Blue Album with all the demos and unreleased tracks on them. That's in no way a new release, but it's definitely worth listening to after deeply digging into the Blue Album. And then my other yeah. check... Oh, wait. Uh, for new music that's that's come out like within the last week, Abra, the, the R&B singer, songwriter, producer from Awful Records, dropped four... Uh, singles onto Spotify and Apple Music that have previously been, like, Bandcamp and SoundCloud exclusive. So those are actually, like, available to purchase and stream, like, in a more convenient way now. But they, I, I don't think any of them had been unheard before. They've just been, like, semi-unreleased. But those, are, I mean, Abra is uh, up-and-coming like superstars, I think. I feel like she's going to be really, really huge. And then for my other checkout, it's a movie called Kuso. It's directed by Flying Lotus. Uh, the Buttress, she's a rapper from New Jersey. She's in it. Uh, Bus Driver is in it. George Clinton, who is from Funkadelic in Parliament, is in it. A lot of musicians are at Bus Driver. I said Bus Driver already. Uh, Zach Fox, who's a comedian associated with Awful Records. There are, uh, like, all those super talented people are in it. It's billed as the grossest movie of all time. It's I watched it, it's not actually that gross. It's um it's 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 just really funny. Hannibal uh Burris is in it for a a little bit. Tim Heidecker's in it that's for a, a little that's bit. That's all I need. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, there's so many there's so many like super funny, super talented people. Yeah. Uh if you wanna watch it, it's it's a shutter exclusive which is like Netflix for horror movies. What I did was I yeah. signed up for a free trial for Shudder and then immediately canceled my subscription. And so like for the next two weeks, I can just watch Shudder for free until my free trial runs out. So that's what I did to watch it. It's, it's so, I mean, I, I can't suggest it and say that you will like it because it's so weird and gross, but it's I found it hilarious and I found it visually stimulating and that's like the if I take those two things away from the movie then I could say that I liked it a lot and all the people in it are super talented and it has something to do with if you like Flying Lotus he said most of his new album is worked into the soundtrack of the movie that's interesting yeah. okay so any other check it outs before we nominate um, Tyler's album I have a do not check it out 
do not listen to fucking Nave and Metro Boomin because that was the most overhyped album I have ever heard. I cannot stand it. I don't care what Nas says. He is wrong this one time in life. This shit is trash. Nave is the most annoying person I've ever had to listen to. I had to get through the album. There was a song called ASAP Ferg, so you know I had to listen to it. I had Uzi Vert. Okay. I ain't so mad about it's it. And then at the end, there's another. Ferg? It's called. I was under featuring the impression little, he was on this. Featuring Uzi. Featuring Uzi. Was it a diss track? And it's. Huh? Was it a diss track? No, it's like an homage, and it's oh, the weakest homage. Wait. How are you gonna? It could. Was it a reference to how ASAP Ferg has a song called Shabaranks, where he talks about how he's like Shabaranks? Yeah, so they yeah, did a it's song. one of those. Okay. But ASAP Ferg did it respectfully, and it was a hit, and it's a classic. This is trash. You can't. I hate this album. Do not check it out, please. I saw people clowning on him on Twitter, so good. I, but I did not try good. to listen to his music. Don't. Okay, Alex, any check it out. Wait, and then check oh. out Lana Del Rey's album. Oh, okay. Wait, Lana, she dropped Very her album? Good. The whole album's out, and Ooh. it is super good. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Um, probably everyone has already checked it out, but Scumfuck Flower Boy by Tyler. I haven't listened to it yet, because I know we're doing it. Yeah, just nom- <laughs> is, that's not a check out, that's a nomination. Is it a nomination? It's a nomination. I'm already typing well, it. Into- I'm already <laughs> typing it. We're doing it. it. <laughs> we're doing it. Yeah, that's uh, the album that I was excited for to come out this week got delayed, so there's not even like a conflict of interest oh, there. Good. Like I, uh, I know, but next week, guys, we all know that I have very strong feelings that we should listen to Amina and Vic Bensa. And oh my, that's what actually. Yeah, yeah you got to figure Mensa. that out yourself. Those are both your boys. <laughs> Emotionally, you got to figure that out. <laughs> Okay, yeah, oh so it's called Scumfuck Flower Boy, but if you look it up on it's iTunes... Just it's just Flower, Flower Boy. Well, that's because they didn't want to put fuck all over their stuff. But it's <laughs> it's Flower Boy or Scumfuck Flower Boy. I'm going to call it Scumfuck because that's probably what Tyler wanted it to be called, and then someone was like, 100%. let's calm it down a little bit for the official reference. <laughs> be like, dude, just drop it down a little. <laughs> yeah. But we don't need Tyler to calm it down. We can take Tyler full force. I hope I can take it full force. I am not a Tyler the Creator fan, but I am excited because I've I didn't listen to this. I knew we were gonna do it. I have a download and everything ready to go. I heard that he's more sensitive and emotionally available on this than he it's has been before, and I think that Tyler. will be. I think that will be more towards it. my taste than his older music. Yeah, I haven't heard anything besides um, 911, um, the Who Boy, and then that the Boredom, Boredom I think yeah. it was. And I wasn't too keen on Boredom, but I think Who Dat Boy is like full yeah. Tyler, or what I expect to get is full Tyler, and it is so much more, so much better and more mature than full Tyler, let's say, like yeah. on Tamale, which was like trash. Like, that's, like, the old Tyler, and the new one, like, even him just going full rap is still, like, an amazing song. Yeah, he's definitely... A yeah. I'm, ho- I'm very he's hopeful based off of that. It's definitely a different Tyler. It's definitely more mature, so... Cool, yeah. If, yeah, if all, if all the singles were old, old Tyler, I would say we should, we should skip it, so it's not me trashing on, like, one of Alex's no, favorite people. No, like, I'm saying you're gonna have a changed opinion, yeah. I think. No, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for that. I mean, it, it might, I might come out of it, like lukewarm but i don't think there's any chance of me hating it like i hate some of tyler's uh other music okay yeah cool and that is that
there you go. Uh, the Blue Album is the official book club GOAT album so far, which sounds about right. There might be other contenders. We've got a 10 out of 10 for me now and a 10 out of 10 from Alex, waiting for Alana's first 10 out of 10. Some magical, mystical day in the future, we will all give an album a 10 out of 10, and that will be the actual GOAT. Uh, sorry it's so long, I cut so much stuff out, I cut full conversations out, um, yeah, I cut, I cut about half an hour of, like, actual talking, not just, like, before and after and us, like, making mistakes with the recording, so I just gave up trying to make it under an hour, I realized that wasn't gonna happen. Also trying a new thing with the outro and just letting talking as long as I want and letting the song run. <laughs> but it's almost over, so I gotta get out. Uh, see you next week. And I want to go on record saying that Dungeons and Dragons might be cool. It, it's got a bad reputation, but it's it's probably fun to play. I've I've played it once, and it was fun. It seems fun, but then. But then they... Uh, I I feel like it is. Like, I don't... Sh- I never um, hate on it. I think it's very complicated. Yeah, well, not... No, not you guys. I'm just general general public. I no, want to... No. I'm going on record for the general public. I, I played Dungeons & Dragons with some of my friends from school. And then, the, like, the next time they were going to play, they hit me up. And I was like, oh, sorry, guys. I'm going to get fucked up. You can just throw my stuff out. <laughs> what is this? An ITK's but, house? But, but I, I, re- I regret that. I regret that. I should have I should have gone back instead of getting drunk. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened? I could have been like a level uh there's probably a level cap. I level 50, I don't know. Let's say that. Yeah, I could have been Alternate level 50 something. Beats. And I still would have been cool. Okay. Uh but comic books aren't cool. I'll go on record saying that. <laughs> Fuck comic books. Yo, Fuck that's, superhero okay, that's movies. Spicy. And well, comic books are cooler than superhero movies. Superhero every single superhero movie is hot garbage. When someone says yes. a superhero movie is good, like people say Wonder Woman is good and The Amazing Spider-Man, the new one, they're saying like these are good movies. What they're really saying is it's good <laughs> for a superhero movie and you should watch something else. <laughs> Like, if only, if only the tiniest, like, little salt of character development in this, in this horrible movie was, was sprinkled over something that wasn't just a bunch of explosions. I agree. That's so funny. I agree on that. Um, oh my god. Because I do love Captain America. I cried twice during the first one, um, but it is a, just a bunch of explosions, and you can insert any of the movies, and it's, like, the same storyline, um, but I think you gotta give comic books credit, because when you dive deep, there's a lot of Batman stories that are very emotional. Yeah, I was, I was joking when I said comic books were trash. Um, I mean it when I say comic yeah. book movies are trash, but com- I, I've never, uh, read a full comic book, but I like, like, uh, Calvin and Hobbes and stuff. That doesn't count, does it? <laughs> Those are not books. Well, I, ha- I have books of Calvin and Hobbes, and I have books of, like, uh, Peanuts and stuff. 
That's my shit. But, like, the structure. Yeah, the superhero stuff. Books are cooler than movies. Oh, I don't read. Heard it. That's part of that's part of our tagline. 